Hello and welcome to another episode of Small Town Sports Talk. I'm Jonah Freeman, as always with Andrew Willett. And today we have another very special guest. I'm very excited about it. Andrew? It's Andrew Willett. And with Jonah, we are incredibly excited to have this guest. He was a college hooper at Purdue University and has been coaching ever since he graduated in 1993, where he's been an assistant at Washington and Jefferson, Barton, Eastern Illinois, and an assistant and head coach at Southern Illinois before joining the staff at his alma mater in 2004 and taking over for his former coach, Gene Tatey, where he has been the head coach of Purdue men's basketball ever since. And unfortunately to this IU fan and very much to the enjoyment of Jonah, the lifelong Purdue fan, coach has been incredibly successful. We are proud to be joined by the one and only Matt Painter. Coach, how are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. First of all, amidst the pandemic and with the current times, how are you doing and how is your family? Yeah, well, we're, um, you know, we're hanging in there. I think, you know, obviously a lot of guys have a lot of coaches out there. You know, you have a lot of downtime and I'm on um, some, some different committees um, through the NABC and through the NCAA. Um, so you're spending a lot of time um, trying to, even though it's downtime, so to speak, you're, uh, it's kind of a trying time right now in basketball, especially with a lot of the discussions um, with the pandemic, with the draft. You know, the draft is um, up in the air right now, kind of about the, the details of different things. So you're trying to help that and kind of wait to see how things are going to play out there. Um, you know, with the NBA draft and the combine and just all the, the particulars. And we also have um, the schedule, the recruiting schedule. So you saw where the dead period just got extended to June 30th and our academies in the, in uh, July, they've been canceled also. So um, you're just kind of in a holding pattern, you know, with the, with the, some of the details and the particulars of the draft and the recruiting schedule. And then you're trying to really just think outside the box if, you know, the curtain drops and, you know, we're able to, to go out and set some things up for guys to, to be able to participate and, and really trying to keep a grasp, um, to be frank with you, on all of college basketball. I think sometimes you can be very narrow in thought um, about the Big Ten or about high major or about the elite programs, when in reality there's a lot of different divisions through Division Three and NAIA and Division Two and junior college and obviously low to mid-major basketball. That is very, very important. So you have to be broad in your thought um, and make sure everybody um, is brought into the equation. There's all different entities that kind of surround high school, college, professional basketball and just um, trying to do what's best to help people. And I, I think that's going to be important once the evaluations and some things kind of open up, we've really got to think about everybody um, and getting them because being able to get your school paid for and be on scholarship and get, you know, just get your education through the game of basketball. And uh, I worked for Bruce Weber and he would always say that in every home visit and always like resonated with me every time he said it was, you know, make sure that you use the game of basketball and don't let the game of basketball use you. I know it's kind of a, corny type saying that you, you think like your old man would say at times, but it's so true. Like, you know, you, you're, you're very fortunate to, to be in a position to, to get this, but we want to get as many young people these opportunities because it can springboard into great things from a basketball standpoint, but even greater things in their opportunities of life. So that, that's kind of important for us. So I've, I've had a lot of downtime, you know, and so you're doing that and I'm a TV watcher. So I watch a lot of TV anyway. So I'm a Netflix and you name it, Prime, uh, Apple TV. Yeah, what are you watching right now? You name it. <laughs> you name it. I watch a lot of it. I'm, um, I'm finishing up Billions right now. Um, I'm on season four. I know season five just started last week, but I'll, I'll, I'll be able to knock that out here in the next week or so. Um, but I've, I've watched a, I watch a lot of things, a lot of different movies. Um, How about the the last dance? Have you been keeping up on that? Yep, yep. Obviously, I've watched that. That's that's been great. That's been great. You talk about a, a competitive guy, man, and um, love it. Lo love seeing everything. Love seeing all that. I'm a basketball junkie, and so I read too. I read a lot, and so I'm I'm very. I, I should be more 
broad and open, but I'm very narrow um, in, in what I read. Um, I read a lot of basketball. I read a lot of baseball. I'm a big baseball fan, big Cubs fan. So uh, I wish I was a better player than I was, but I, I wasn't a very good hitter. And I liked, I really liked the game. And so I, I enjoyed it, um, but I just wasn't very good at it. But um, So, so I, I, I put some time in there. And so that, that's kind of like everybody is with, you know, you stay in contact with your players and, um, you know, just we did that. We had a good finish outside of a guy or two. We had a good finish academically and uh, did a really good job as a team um, with our overall GPA. And so, you know, proud of our guys for that and just trying to, you know, work towards getting ready to hopefully getting our guys back to campus at, at some point, but also seeing the big picture and make sure that you know the health and safety of everybody's the, the most important right um andrew and i were at the big 10 tournament that opening wednesday night uh we wanted to go watch indiana for andrew you know and <laughs> while we were there you know they had announced first of all there'd be no fans and then the next day you know you guys were hours away from your tip off and then it seemed the big 10 tournament was canceled and then march madness was canceled what was your initial reaction to that? And what was that conversation like with your guys and how did they take it? You know, it was, um, I didn't have that, uh, much of a take. I was surprised when we woke up on Thursday morning that we didn't wake up to the news that we were just, you know, we weren't going to play. I just thought that's yeah. what we So, um, we went to our practice, at the YMCA there downtown Indianapolis. And at the end of our shoot around around noon, we, we, you know, we found that out and we just said, Hey guys, this is, this has been canceled. And, um, so, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to say, like, you know what I mean? Like, um, as a coach, sometimes like people don't realize if you're constantly meeting and constantly talking, like, you know, you kind of get looked at like Charlie Brown's teacher a little bit. Like, you know, sometimes in those moments right there, they're like, you feel bad for him. You right. feel bad for him. So like, it was something I had something personal at the time and I left. My mom was sick. She just passed away. And so like at that time right there, I was like, well, I'm going to go to the hospital and see my mom. So like that was so much more important to me Yeah, for um, sure. at that time, even though I know how important that is to our guys, but for selfish reasons, like that was like, you know, a big thing to me, like, okay, I get to go spend time with her. So, um, but I felt bad for those guys, man. I felt bad for, uh, the seniors on our team who, you know, like, that's what you want. Like you want to be able to get the tournament and we needed help. Like we, you know, we had stubbed our toe and uh, we had some quality wins. We'd beaten five teams in the top 25 that year, but we were on, we were on the outside looking in. So we needed to win some games and we were playing Ohio state. And last time we played Ohio state, we didn't play that well. And so it was going to be, it was going to be hard, but you still want the challenge. You know, you still want the challenge of playing and you still want those guys to finish off, you know, what they started. And, right. uh, so, yeah, it was just a kind of a real difficult time across the board. Absolutely. Uh, Coach, first, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, and thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, on, we're going to move on to some brighter questions. But first, I, I have a, a very blunt question. But how did you like your team's chances of making it to the tournament this past year before Selection Sunday was canceled? Yeah. Well, I, you know, we weren't, like I said earlier, we weren't in a position to do it. Like we weren't, if we had to beat Ohio state, like we weren't in, um, we had a chance to beat Rutgers at the end of the year. We didn't, that would have really helped us. And if I think we would have beat Ohio state, we'd have got it really close at that time, but that didn't happen. So I thought we had to get three wins to get in. That, that's yeah. my take as a coach. You always want to go probably past a win. Um, then you really need. And so like, probably winning it, like, you know, winning that tournament, you know, was probably the only thing that 100% had us in the tournament. Whereas if you beat three more teams, you know, that are going to the tournament in our conference tournament, then I, I think we probably would have been in, but nothing's for sure. So, but it's just, we, we just weren't consistent enough. We just weren't. And, uh, you, you know, you have to be more consistent. We, we played a tough schedule. Um, and that's what you want. You know, you want to keep getting those challenges and you want to keep playing quality people um, to give you a better chance to get in there. So we, we did our job in terms of scheduling. We, we proved, you know, like some of the games that we 
one, whether it was, you know, deciding games against Virginia or Michigan State at home, or we won in Iowa at the end, um, which was a really good road win. Um, we swept Iowa, um, which had a really good year, had a better year than we did. We swept Indiana, who they said, you know, they were in. So we had, you know, we had some good wins, but then we just didn't have the consistency um, that you're looking for. So hopefully we can learn from that and be better because of it next year. Now, with all that being said, <coughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure, like, yeah, yeah. if we'd have won them all, guess what? It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> and, and so that's crazy. And so that for us, like, we really – we went to 20 games here in our conference – and our, our teams in our league, for the most part, have really done a good job non-conference. And then we really had success this year. So we were going to get 9, 10, 11 teams in the tournament, uh, nine for sure. And that's what you want. And so, like, we had a great year for a conference, and that's what we have to continue to do um, is, is just keep having that consistency. So um, I feel terrible for Penn State. You know, Pat Jambers has done a, a great job there. And these guys that were in the tournament, they were going to have a quality seed. Um, you know, they, they, Lamar Stevens is a guy that was a four-year guy that stuck there and, and, and just keep, kept getting better every year. And he's seven points away from being the all-time leading scorer in school history. Yeah. So he's going to get that in his first game. I don't know if they play when they play. They played on Thursday or Friday. Who knows? I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know the seeding of it. Like, you get so locked into, like, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to play Ohio State. Um, so I feel bad for them. I feel bad for Steve Peichel at Rutgers. Tremendous person, tremendous coach. Um, has taken over that program and just been great. Those guys are uh, hardworking dudes, man, play hard, play together. And uh, they were going to go to the tournament. They got a good win against us at the end of the year in the last game of the season. I think that really solidified them, in my opinion, to getting into the tournament. And so they deserve more than anybody, those two programs. And, and they all did, all the people that put themselves in that position. You know, Greg Gard was the coach of the year in our league and – they, uh, you know, Michigan State wins it, you know, again in the three-way with Maryland. And so Maryland gets their first Big Ten championship after coming into our league five, six years ago. And Turge has done a really good job. So there's just so many good stories that you have here. And people kind of counted Michigan State out and Cassius Winston out. And he goes through something terrible with the passing of his brother. And those guys rally and play well and win the league. And, and so, like, we had some stories that I think really could have unfolded in the NCAA tournament from our league. You know, you just see that I'm leaving people out. Like, I'm, there's, there's a couple other, you know, programs in there that I'm not mentioning and stuff like that. And, like, why can't it be them? You know, the year before that, like, we were six and five, and then we come two-tenths of a second away from going to a Final Four. So why can't it be any of those programs, uh, especially with, you know, the schedule and the conference and the preparation that we've had throughout the, you know, the year with our league? And so, like, you know, it's just, uh, it's just unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I felt for our guys, but I felt for a lot of other people, too. Yep. And then recently, you know, the G League has been a big topic. With the introduction of money to the college game, how has recruiting changed at the elite conference level? Well, you know, you don't know yet because it really hasn't, you know, it hasn't had the effect yet. So yeah. it's happening. But, like, we've had this before. Like, we've had guys that have, like, left early before. Like in the 70s, you know, you had Bill Willoughby and Daryl Dawkins. You guys know Bill Willoughby? Nope. Can't say I do. You guys need to look it up then. But there's been guys going on. I'll be 50 this summer, and these guys were doing this when I was in kindergarten. You know, yeah. this has been going on for a long time. So, you know, I, I think NBA personnel look at it to where guys are leaving and they're not going to college, but yet they're going to Australia to play. You know, Brandon Jennings did it you know, what, 10, 12 years ago. I don't know if my year's right, but he sure. went over, you know, he went over to Europe. I don't know exactly where he played, but he, he did it. And then obviously he has a really good, you know, NBA career. But these guys are going to Australians in different leagues. Well, NBA personnel, what are they doing? They're flying over there to watch these guys all the time. And so in their mind, like, well, why do we have to fly over there to watch guys from the United States when maybe we can create something and now they have these options. So, um, like I've talked to you guys about before earlier, like you just want guys to be able to not necessarily do what they want to do. You want them to have options so they can do what's best for them. And, and yeah. that's always my kind of approach to things is like, sure, like let guys leave right away. Let guys go to the NBA. And that might happen. 
um, here in a couple years, but it might not. I don't, I don't know. It's not my decision, but I, I just want guys to have the opportunities to do what's best for them, not what they want to do. Just think about this. And this is where we get with a lot of NBA decisions, draft decisions, transfer decisions. And what if your parents let you do whatever you wanted to do when you were 16, 17, 18 years old? How do you think that would look? How do you think your career looks? I, I know I'd be in Muncie um, bowling on Tuesdays and playing <laughs> slow pitch softball on the weekends. That's where I'd be. I know that. And living week to week. And so you, you just have to have the framework of people around you, whether it's the people that brought you into this world or whoever your confidants are, whoever those people are. And just the common sense of like, you know what, this is my son or my daughter and damn it, I'm going to do what's best for them. And they might, and a lot of times they're mad at you and that's okay because we, I don't care. I, don't, I could care less if one of my kids is mad at me. You know, I love my kids. I want them to be successful. And I'll argue with whomever about what's best for somebody that I love. And so, like, why do we get away from, like, not setting some guidelines and some framework to a lot of these things that are going to be the best for these people? And say, well, they need to have decisions. They're grown men, whatever. Like, you're 18 years old. You're a grown man. Like, I, I don't understand that. Like, I don't understand some of these things, like I needed help when I was 18 and I got that help and I, and I had good people around me and, you know, you make those decisions and help, you know, your kids. And now we're creating a lot of things and a lot more choice, a lot more opportunity. Like, well, they should have the, you know, the freedom and the right to do all these things. Well, shouldn't we have some framework to be in place so they have the maturity and the understanding and the discipline to now not just be great for them in the short term, be great for them in the long term, whether that's through basketball or that's through education. So I think those things are like really important, you know, to keep in mind. The Dockage thing's got a lot of people talking on Twitter, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's good because it's, it's one of those things where a lot of times like you just in, in coaching, like when things happen, like you just kind of move on, like you stay professional and diplomatic and you move on. But like when two things happen like that, I think it's important. Uh, you know, people want to know and people will look at you, you know, like, like something's wrong when in reality, you know, something's wrong with our culture. Right. And both the guys that left our program are good guys. Like these, this isn't like, you know, it's not perfect, but they're good guys. But our, our culture is, is, is what's at issue here. And so I think, being able to speak up sometimes and, and let people know like where you are and what you do and what you're trying to do. Cause you know, we're in, you know, we're in the business of trying to help people. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they flip it. Like it's just a win, you know, win at all costs, cutthroat type business when that's not how everybody is like, you know, I'm a competitive person and I want to win. Um, so I'm not a fool. I understand how I got to keep my job. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to help people like, you know, when the good Lord lays you down, man, like he don't sit there and say, okay, you got 600 wins and you got 500 and you're better. It's, yeah. not the way that, it's not the way it is. It's really in the grand scheme of thing. It's really not that important um, when you look at big picture stuff. So to me, that's what it is kind of bothers me because the game's been so good to me and Purdue's been so good to me. I went to one high school and I went to one college. It just, when things don't go right, man, you, you, you find a way, you find a way to make it better. You know, you find a way to do things, but you also look at yourself and say, man, I got to be better. Right. That, those, and I, that's why when you hear a lot of the different stuff on that call. Like sometimes people don't know, like, like you as a person and like where it's coming from. And like, you know, it's, it's coming from a place of care. Like I got three kids, five kids total, two step kids. Like I just want to see them do well. No different than I want to see them do well. If you're going to leave Purdue and you're going to better yourself and it makes sense to do it, then that's good. But if you're just doing it to be doing it for five more minutes or it's the flavor of the month, like, come on, man. Right. What are we doing here? So. Yeah. And I had noticed, like, honestly, I mean, I was, I loved the straight up honesty, you know, you like, you didn't sugarcoat anything at all, but I thought it was funny. I had probably an hour or two after I got done listening to that, 
I got an alert on my phone from uh, Bleacher Report, and it literally just said the headline was Painter on Harms Eastern, and it said they don't get the big picture. You're not a boilermaker if you walk out. So I thought it was kind of funny how they <laughs> they kind of twisted the words up a little bit there, and they didn't yeah, really listen to the whole thing. Works, huh? Yeah. Yeah, like when I see different things and I'm not, and um, you see that you, it gets lost, like how you open things up and you talk about it and how like, you know, I care for him. Like I want him to do well. Yeah. Like Matt Harms is a great example for us. Like his parents came here in Thanksgiving, like they had Thanksgiving in my house. We're going on an international trip this summer. And then obviously the pandemic and with the coronavirus and that gets canceled. But two to three days of our trip was going to be in his home country. Yeah. And we're, and so like here we're, we're generating a international trip and a third of it's going to be for him. Right. And because we understand the sacrifices that he's made to come to the United States and play college basketball and he has a dream and things of that nature. So like, like you, you open up your house to guys and you open up your whole lives to guys and, and it's be frank, like, I spend more time with somebody else's kids than I do my own. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. Yeah. Like, I'm, not, I'm not proud of that. Like it's, you know, and, and there's just so much sacrifice that so many people make. And so with that, you just want to see them do well. Yep. You just literally want to see each one of you guys. Like I want every one of my guys to start, play 30 minutes, be all conference, make the NBA, get a degree, be successful, have a great family. Like you just want everything for everybody. But it's competition. Yeah. Yeah. It's competition and it's a team sport. I think that's what gets lost more than anything. Not everybody can play shortstop and lead off. You know, you just can't, you can't have nine shortstops. Someone's got to pitch, you know, someone's got to catch, someone's got to play left. You know, who the hell wants to play left when they're 12 years old? You know, you, you want to be in those positions. So um, it's just something where, you know, you, you want each guy to be successful and I, but part of being successful the big part of being successful is fighting through that adversity. Right. And that's what none of us like that, man. None of us like the truth as human beings. We just don't like the truth. I don't like it. You don't like it. But when you start to figure out like, you know, a great example for me is, you know, I didn't have a great career at Purdue. I had a solid senior year, kind of a couple sporadic moments probably uh, in my sophomore year where I, I probably played okay at the end. Um, of one season, but for the most part, I, I didn't have that good a career. Well, I ended up working for one of our assistants, Bruce Weber, who went to Southern Illinois, and I was yep. an assistant for five years at Southern Illinois. But while he's an assistant at Purdue for 17, 18 years, like he was the guy that always said things to me that I didn't like yeah. my freshman and sophomore year. I, I, didn't, I didn't like all the times the things that he would say and maybe how he delivered it. And, and so like it, it got under my skin, like it bothered me. And then as I started to, I wouldn't say I was mature, but I started to be more mature um, as time went on, I quickly realized, like, are the other guys trying to help me that are on staff? Well, sure, sure they are. But they're not being as direct as he's being with me. And I started to realize, like, I need to listen to him more. Because he's really, even though I don't like what he's saying to me, you know, but he's the one that probably helped me the most but he was the most honest and direct. And what happens today when you're honest and you're direct, and if somebody embraces that, that's when they improve. Yep. That's when they get better. That's when we all get better. And, but we don't like it. And I didn't like it. And you're no different. But, you know, I kind of commend my parents, my mom and my dad, because it was never a discussion for me. I got, you know, I was a top 100 player. I got offered by half the Big Ten. It was never a discussion. It just wasn't like you just never like I went to a high school that wasn't a predominantly great basketball school. Um, we had we had a great experience when I was there. My four years, we won a lot of games, um, but I didn't want to leave my high school because in Muncie Central it was great. And my mom actually lived in Muncie Central District and I could have done it. But I just I simply didn't want to leave my friends. Yep. You know, it was that simple. It wasn't like basketball or, hey, I got a chance to be you know, the next coming. And it it just wasn't, it was just a simple, Hey, this is where I live. This is where I grew up. These are where my friends are. And then when you get to college and you struggle, like I can sit there and say like, well, Hey, all these other schools wanted me like, you know, and that's the thing that I'm, I'm glad that I had the parents that I had because they didn't allow me to blame somebody for my shortcomings. 
and I had to get to work. I had to do better. And I wasn't the most mature and I was a social guy. And, you know, and so when you get to college, there's a lot of things that go on, but you got to be honest with yourself and, and make those improvements and get better. And so I was very fortunate. You know, I, I, I feel blessed that I had the people around me that were supportive, but also honest, like, and it's not like, Hey, let's just, you know, let's go somewhere else. Cause it's gotta be somebody else's fault. No, it was my fault. I should have worked harder. I should have done some things better. I should have done these things to put myself in a better position for Purdue to win, but I stuck it out and I had a better senior year and kind of the crux of all that is who do you think got the Purdue job for me? Martin Jiski was our president. Morgan Burke was our AD. But if Gene Cady or Bruce Weber and Tom Ryder, guys that I played for, if they would have popped up and says, ah, man, you can't trust Matt Payne. You can't trust him. He doesn't know basketball, but you can't trust him. No, you think I get the job at Purdue. So I get the job, and you can go back and look at it like I was one of them. I stayed and I fought. And now they're taking care of me. So Bruce Weber hires me. Bruce Weber, actually, his brother was the – assistant at Eastern Illinois and he left and went to coach in the Chicagoland area in high school. And I was fortunate enough to get the job at Eastern Illinois because he helped me. And then he gets the Southern Illinois job and he helps me get that. And then he helps me get the head coaching job when he leaves to go to Illinois. And then he helps me get the Purdue job, just like Gene Cady helped me, just like Tom Ryder helped me, who was an assistant coach um, who passed away about five, six years ago. Um, great guy, great coach. Um, became an unbelievable friend to me. Um, he's now a compliance director at Purdue. And after my first year at Southern Illinois, when we had a really good season. So now you, you kind of see, like, I always tell our guys this story, like I averaged four points and I'll be 50 years old this summer and Purdue's still working for me. And I made my decision when I was 18 to go to Purdue. I grew up an Indiana fan. My dad and mom forced me to like to take my blinders off and say, Hey, this isn't emotional. Like this isn't fanatical. Like, this is a business decision. you got to do what's best. And we really liked Gene Cady more than anything. Yep. We liked what he stood for. We liked his honesty. We liked the way it is. So now, you know, you push 30 years down the road, and it just comes from having good people around you, helping you out in Purdue, working for you. The Purdue degree means something, but the Purdue people mean more, in my opinion. Right. Because the Purdue people mm. um, are very, very loyal, and they get it. And, um, and so, so I feel, I feel, I know I've, I've come full circle on you guys here, and no, you're fine. About, yeah, but, it, great. but that's just my story and how I'm wired. And so that's how I'm wired. And so like, when I get guys like whatever that come on our program, like, man, I just want to help you. Like, I just want to help you get better, but I'm not going to sit there and lie to you. I'm going to sit there and tell you the truth. Like if you're, if you can't dribble with your left hand at Purdue, you can't dribble with your left hand at some other school. Correct. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that doesn't change. And your approach to things doesn't change. And you can't change your approach in eight months. You just can't. And so, like, when I, I, I talk about the, the quick fix, the microwave, you know, and if you go look at numbers of transfers, it's a very, very small percentage of people who transfer who get drafted. So in the last seven drafts, you have to, around 20 people that have gotten drafted in the first and second round. Think about that. 20 out of the 420, okay? Four of them, four, have been in the, in the first round. One of those four went from Division II to Division I. Kid that was at a D2 in Colorado that went into that plant at Colorado that now, I think, I think it's Derek White. He plays for the Spurs, if I got his name right, and his, and his uh, NBA team right. So, um, yep. Rodney Hood was another one that was from Mississippi State and went to Duke. Um, Brandon Clark left San Jose and went to Gonzaga. And then Cam Johnson left Pitt and went to North Carolina. So think about that. In the last seven drafts, there's 420 people that got drafted. And so, like, you take 30 guys in the first round times seven, that's 210. You got four out of the 210 transferred. So these guys are all moving and shaking. We got all these transfers. But what's all of our dream? You know, because sometimes when you coach, people look at you like you never played, like you didn't have the dream yourself. Like, you know, what, what do you think I did when I dribbled around when I was 14 years old and, and shot in my backyard? You think I, like, dreamed I was going to coach? Hmm. You know, you don't go – you don't say three, two, one, and then, like, go sit on the, you know, side of the court and have somebody else shoot it. You shoot it. 
you know, you're the one that's having that dream. Like we all had that dream too. And, and a lot of us aren't good enough and I wasn't good enough, but I want you to achieve that dream, but I don't want you to lose your soul in the process. I don't want you to understand that probably your dream isn't going to be through basketball, even though it can be affiliated with basketball. So we got to have two dreams. We got to have one through education and one through basketball. But if we don't have it where the truth is in there about where we are, who we are, and be realistic about that, that might affect our future. That might affect our chances of being successful down the road. So those are just some things that we, that, that I really try to harp on and continue on. And, all, and, and, and most coaches and most, probably all coaches, like, you know, that's what they're trying to do. Like they're, they're, just, they're just trying to help their guys. So. Yeah. And then, I mean, you just mentioned that there like, there's so many different options out there for these guys. And I think for you guys, it's hard to get good guys in, but Michigan just ended up pulling in Eastern. And um, I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter about the possible timeline with that. Do you care to comment on that? Or do you have any thoughts? Yeah, that's fine. You know, you know, to each their own, like, you know, it's, you know, you work to have a hard line. And what I mean by that is like, you're on one side. Like when we go and face another team, like it's, you know, it's us against them. Right. Right. And, but you got to, you know, commitment, you're either in or you're out. You can't be halfway. And that's a, a big piece when you see guys that want out. Like, I'm not big on, like, now going after them. Like, why do you want to be out after, you know, you've spent a 1,000 days with somebody and, you know, just take the two guys that left our program. Since they've been here collectively, two Big Ten titles. We're a box out away from having three Big Ten titles. Two Sweet 16s and an Elite Eight. Like, I'm not going to apologize for that. Like, that's great team success. Vince Edwards got drafted. Caleb Swanigan got drafted. Carson Edwards got drafted in that mold. Vince got his degree. Caleb Swanigan got his degree. Carson's is probably a semester, maybe two semesters away from getting his degree. Because um, he's, a, you know, he, he left after his junior year and it just happened. So, like, the model works. So, when guys want to leave – and then it happens quick, and they do it. I think that's just kind of the, the sign of the times. You know, it, it just is. It's like, okay, like I was at Purdue on Tuesday, and now I'm at Michigan on Thursday. You know, yeah. you move on. It's right. not that big a deal. But I always thought this way. Like, guys that I, you play with, like those are your friends, man. Those are your guys. When you make these decisions and you leave, do you ever think about those guys? Because, because what do they say? Like you see like things on Twitter or you see people talking or you see some video that we make now. So everybody gets an insight to what you do. And what do you talk about? Well, these are my brothers. Well, it, literally it's your brother. Like I, I'm not leaving my brother behind. I got a brother. I'm not leaving him behind. But I'm also, if I make a decision, I might. But I'm going to talk with him. And I'm going to discuss like, hey, man, like I'm not happy but I know this might put you in a, a tough spot or the team in a tough spot. And I'm struggling with that. So I left Southern Illinois. I was a head coach for one year, assistant for five head coach for one year. I left there and came here. Like I cried like it was a funeral. Yeah. And I was like, but it's Purdue, man. And like, to me like that, that's my alma mater. I mean, I got to do this. But if it wasn't for those guys at Southern Illinois, there's no way I'd have the opportunity at Purdue. If Paul Qualcheck, the AD, doesn't hire me at Southern Illinois, there's no way I get this opportunity to come to Purdue and, and, and follow Coach Katie and, and to be the coach at Purdue. So I feel I'm torn. So when I meet with them, I, I felt awful. And so, like, when young people sometimes have to make those decisions, what about the older people that are around them saying, okay, I understand this, and this is what you're going to make this decision, but what does this and how does this leave these people that you were calling your brothers? Bob Huggins talks about it a lot in our meetings. He says, we forget about the people that stay. What happens to them? Mm. Like, what happens to them? Now, did these guys pick up the phone and, and call guys on their team and discuss this? Did they say, hey, I apologize? Like, you know, because we've, you know, we've had success together. 
Like, don't act like we're a bunch of bums and we're in last place for four straight years. Don't act like everybody hasn't graduated outside of one guy. You know, you know, and Carson would be the second guy, but I, you know, I know Carson's parents and they're going to be on him and he's, he's going to go get that degree. I don't know when, but I promise you he will. Right. I know they'll stay on it. I know how important it is to their family. So, like, to me, like, did, they, did, did that happen? Because I felt terrible. I'll be honest with you. I felt terrible. Like, the people at Southern Illinois, they weren't, like, good to me. They were great to me. They were, they were absolutely great to me. And I don't get this opportunity without them. And that, that set in my stomach. And uh, it still does to this day. I made a business decision, but I sat in front of those guys and, and talked about it. And I, you know, I shared my personal feelings. And, you know, I cried like I was at a funeral. Like, it was just like it, it bothered me. It still does. But those guys were great. Stetson Harrison, Brad Korn, Sylvester Willis, Darren Brooks. You know, we lost our two main dudes the year before, a guy named Kent Williams and Jermaine Deerman, who were just unbelievable college players. They scored close to 4,000 points together in their career. We lost those two guys, and we ended up being a top 15 team in the country, winning our league. And we just had an unbelievable year. Our guys were great. And uh, I'm leaving out a couple guys. Brian Turner started for us. He was a senior on that team with Brad and Sly. And it was just, it was just great. We got some freshmen that were good, Jamal Tatum and Tony Young, and a guy by the name of Lamar Owen, Josh Warren. I think that was kind of our rotation right there if I got everybody in there. So this was 16, 17 years ago for me. And so that just like, to me, it was like, that was hard, man. That was hard. That was really hard. They don't look at it that way. And so, like, when, like, Nogel leaves, all of a sudden, quick, he's at Michigan. You're just making a decision. You're just moving. And all of a sudden, in a short amount of time, that's the way it is. Like, these guys, I talked about them. I talked to Maddie about, and the, you know, it's the pandemic, man. Like, you understand, like, you're not going to go to anybody's campus. They're not going to come physically meet you. You're going to be on FaceTime or on a Zoom call, or, and, and that's all you have. And now you're going to make the most important decision for your basketball career that way mm-hmm. and not really knowing. Like, to me, like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, that doesn't mean it's not, you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not sensible. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But, like, I've been in, you know, I've been in college basketball for as a player and a coach for over 30 years, and I just would think that when I made my decision to go to Purdue, like, I was a diehard Indiana fan. Like, my, my old man just erased all that. He's got two degrees from Indiana. Like, he went to the 76 Final Four, the 81 Final Four, the 87 Final Four. He went to the last time they went to a Rose Bowl. He's an Indiana fan through and through. That was the way it is. And then right away, my knee-jerk reaction is like, man, the hell with Purdue. I'm not, I don't like Purdue. I don't want to go to Purdue. My dad's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Gene Cady's a great coach. He's a great man. He has discipline. You know, they graduate their players. They win. They win championships. He goes, you're going to listen to him. That makes sense for you to listen to him. And so, like, if it wasn't for him, you know, my mom sitting there, like, giving me good advice, that wouldn't have opened that window. And so you don't understand. So when these guys make these decisions to transfer, like, where's some of this coming from? Because, you know, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings out there because we all say, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? What about the team? Aren't we playing a team sport here? What about the team? And if those guys reached out to those guys and conversed before they made their decision, then good for them. I don't know if any of that happened. And at this point, I don't really care. But because you move on and you care about the people that stay and you, and you care about the people that commit to you. And now they're on a different boat. We're on this boat here at Purdue. They're on a different boat and you wish them well. And, and the one thing about it is I think some people get irritated when you speak openly about it because a lot of times with me, I just try to keep it moving. I try to be professional, try to be diplomatic, keep it moving. But in today's world, when it happens a couple times and we have the success with the two individuals that we had as a team and you sit around and you commit to each other and nothing's wrong. There's nothing wrong. It's competition. And they didn't play as well this year that they did the previous year. And that's it. And instead of hunkering down and putting on their chin strap, they're going to go somewhere else where I guess it's going to be better. Maybe it is. I don't know, but I know the best predictor of the future is the past and Purdue's always had a quality program and we've always had success together. And that's what we'll continue to do. We'll we'll continue to find guys that want to be at Purdue that want to think about Purdue winning games and sacrificing to win games. And with that, 
I think it's been shown that they can have your individual success. But the more you have success as your team, like Carson Edwards is not second team All-American back-to-back years if we're not in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, if we're not winning a Big Ten or getting second in the Big Ten or winning the Big Ten. Because when he was here, you know, he was a part of those three years where, you know, the year we got second, we were 12-0 in the Big Ten. So he's having a lot of that success. Would he have got a lot of attention and would he still been all-conference? Sure. But would he be All-American if his team wasn't great? No, he wouldn't. You know, Caleb Swanigan was an All-American for us, consensus. But his team won the Big Ten. His team went to the Sweet 16. He, his team had success. Both of those guys helped our team have success. No different than Dakota Mathias, Isaac Haas, those guys there, P.J. Thompson. You know, we had a lot of guys make sacrifice. Like Isaac Haas, like, go look at his numbers. Like, go look. He made a lot of sacrifices for our program. To help us win. P.J. Thompson made a lot of sacrifices. Dakota Mathias, Vince Edwards. Like, go look at those. Those guys made sacrifices for our team to win. And, you know, good for them. Because that's what it's about. But I think there's a value that professional people look at, too. That's appealing when they see those guys. Like, Because you're not looking at any of those guys that I mentioned. And they're not going to go play, play professional basketball where they're not a role player. They're all really good college players. They're all great college players. But at that level, they're all role players. So they got to go fit into a role. And so I think we try to do our best to prepare them. I hope someday that we can have a guy. I played with a guy that was a, you know, that was a stud. You know, Glenn Robinson was the number one pick in the draft. And, you know, he, he was more than just a role player. You know, he was a big-time player. But that, that's rare, man. That, that, that's, that's really rare. And, you know, for those guys that are in that position, you know, good for them. But, um, you know, just trying to – Keep things real and trying to, like I said earlier in the, the show, like, you know, just trying to help those guys. So when a lot of people talk about like something or the, you know, the 48 hour window from him, you know, telling us he's leaving to going there, like, you know, it, that, that's not on our plate anymore. You know, that that's fine. And, you know, guys move on and they go other places and, you know, it is what it is. Coach, right. uh, you mentioned Carson Edwards. And I have to ask because I am a huge Boston Celtics fan and it hurts me a little because uh, being a Hoosier basketball fan growing up, um, but I, I have to cheer for the guy. So what was your experience like with him and what does he need to work on to excel at the NBA level for my Boston Celtics? <laughs> there you go. Um, no, it was great. Like the, the Carson like, likes the game. And Carson puts a lot of time into his game. Um, and, and so, he, you know, he, he's a guy that works um, on his individual game a lot. And, you know, the ball just doesn't go in by magic. You know, those things that he did in the NCAA tournament, that, those are things that he works on. He's always worked on. So a lot of times people talk about like, hey, you guys did a great job with Carson Edwards. Um, or someone will give credit to the guy that works him out individually or give credit to our staff. And, hey, man, Carson Edwards could shoot when he showed up on our campus. Like <laughs> he yeah. scored 50 a couple of times in high school, hit 10 threes in high school. So like this guy's always been able to shoot, you know, just trying to help him like any other player, um, you know, learn the game, learn a system. You know, we were, we were pretty, uh, we we're pretty high profile team, but we had really good post guys when he got there. And then as Swanigan and Haas left and um, Vince Edwards left, um, you know, it was, we, we were more guard oriented. Um, then with him and Ryan Klein, you know, he was obviously our best option scoring wise Then Ryan was next. And, um, and so just trying to, to run a lot of different stuff and do a lot of different stuff to, to help him. We, we, he got really good at the end of manipulating defenses in terms of people giving him too much attention. And then we got a lot of slips because people gave him too much attention. And, um, and so he, he did a really good job as he grew as a player of understanding, like even when he's not getting it, if he can be an actor, get some good sprint outs, you know, you know, do the little things that it can really help our total team. But um, I, I, you know, for him, um, you know, it was, it was fun to be around him. He, he likes basketball and, you know, he's very, very confident. And, um, you know, we, you know, he's got a short memory and that's, that's good for a score. Absolutely. You know, so. Yeah, it was hard for him to, to play with, you know, those other guys to start with. And then as he got accustomed to it, um, you know, obviously his sophomore year, um, you know, he was an All-American. He had a great sophomore year. He had a great finish to his junior year, and he helped us win. He had about five games his junior year in conference play, but he was just fantastic, just fantastic. 
And so, but he went through some, some slumps shooting during the year and uh, just stayed with it and kept working and, um, you know, good to be around, like basketball and um, really did a lot of good things for us to, you know, help us win. And like I said, like we were, we were a possession away in his three years, winning three straight Big Ten championships. That's why some of the other stuff, when it flies all over you, like when you take a step back and say, now hold on here, like you guys were a possession away from winning three straight Big Ten championships and you got people walking out the door and they started and they played all the time. So like that to me is, you know, if that's your adversity, then that's, that's really not that much adversity in comparison to other people in college basketball. There's people that would die to have those experiences in college basketball. There's guys that play college basketball that never get to the NCAA tournament, you know. So we've won seven games in our last three tournaments. And that's, that's pretty good. It's not great because you want to go to a Final Four and win a national championship, but there's only four of them that get to go to that every year. And there's only one of them that gets to stand on the top of that pile. So um, I think we did a lot of really, really good things. And Carson was, uh, you know, had a big hand in that. Is Carson the best player you have ever coached? And if he's not, who is? He's one of them. He's one of them. I think we've had five guys being All-American. Um, Carl Landry had a short career because he came from junior college, but I would throw him in that equation um, also, even though we've had a lot of really good players too. But the five, uh, Ichuan, Juwan, Rob, um, Caleb Swanigan, and uh, Carson are the five guys that have been, you know, first, second, or third team All-American. Um, we've got some other guys that are right at that next threshold, but I would say – one of those five guys would you would have to put there. But to me, all five of them were, you know, were fabulous. And then I put, like I said earlier, I put Carl Landry in that mix. He was pretty good. He was a, he was a good player. He just had a short career because coming from junior college and he tore his ACL. And so that, that set him out for a season also. So those six guys are probably at the, the top of our heap in the last 15 years. Yeah, and you've mentioned a lot of tournament success recently, uh, but one thing that has not changed any of that is someone you've mentioned a lot today, and that's the fact it seems like Gene Katie's always there to support you and Purdue in general. Mm-hmm. What has it meant to you to like, have a mentor like that that is still so supportive of you in the university? Yeah, well, he's the best, man. He's like, he's just a good guy. And so, like, he's not, you know, someone that, that kind of comes around and, just kind of like leisurely is watching the game. Like he, he wants to come to practice. He wants to check it out. Like he wants, he wants us to win period. Like he's just a Purdue supporter. He supports us. He supports me, but he also supports all of his, you know, former players that are, especially the guys that are still in coaching. Like, you know, he stays in contact with them. He calls them all the time. And um, he cares about the game of basketball, cares about people, you know, just a, just a good dude, man. So it's, uh, I was fortunate. Like I talked earlier about my parents, like I was, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate to have the people that I've had in my life. Like it's um, for my parents to, you know, Gene Cady to Bruce Weber to Tom Ryder to Governor Rick Samuels, who was at Eastern Illinois. Um, so like, you know, I've been around a lot of really, really good basketball people, a lot of really good people in general. And, um, and, and that's what, you know, he set up, he set up that basketball family and that's what you want. And then one thing about a basketball family is no different than any other family. You're going to have some arguments at times. You're going to have some things. And right. uh, I think kind of like right now and like some of the questions that you have, it, like to me, like I'm just, I'm, I'm an open book, man. I'm just like, I'm going to call it as I see it, but I'm also going to try to be fair and I'm going to own it when I'm wrong. And I'm not always right about things, but um, I think just those guys were fair with me. Gene Katie was fair. I didn't agree with everything he said, um, but he was fair. And I understand more of what he said as time goes on. I know that. Yeah. I know that. And I try and, you know, he's, you got to understand that when you coach and he did it for 50 years, like you're just trying to win the next game and trying to do it through the best of your ability. And, and you just are. And when things don't go right, man, it crushes you. And you live with that because you want to be better. When people say, like, you know, what's the one regret that you have as a player, the one regret you have as a coach, I just want to be better. I want to be better than I am. And I want to keep getting better um, so Purdue can win. That's it. That's it. He was that way, and he was wired that way. Bruce Weber's that way. You know, you just want to see that ultimate success. And I know um, 
he wants us to have success. So we, you know, he comes around a lot and lives in Myrtle Beach, but whenever we can get him back, he'll come through for a week, two weeks, whatever, and we get him to as many games and he travels with us. And so, and our players love him. You know, our, our players love having him around. So, I mean, you just mentioned a lot of the success and then that, that you want to achieve and you have achieved a lot of success against Indiana recently, which makes me happy. I know it's not big for Andrew, but do you have like a, a favorite moment in the Purdue-Indiana rivalry? Um, not really. I mean, as a player, we, we got down my freshman year. I didn't play in the game, which probably helped us. <laughs> Um, we were down 16, 17, 18 points at half my freshman year against Indiana at Indiana. And we came back and won in overtime. We came back. So it's my first year of, uh, first game of the IU Purdue rivalry. And we get our bus right next to Kerry quad, which is a dorm right next to Mackey arena and the Lambert field house. So it was Lambert field house where we are indoor track and field is, um, Mackey arena. And then, um, the dorm that was right there. Our bus is right in between right there on a the road right there. And we have all the students that have stopped the bus and on top of the bus like roaches and they're shaking it. And it went from a little, you know, a little, a lot of fun. To like, this is unbelievable. It's a little scary to be honest with you. Um, wow. And so like that was it. Like those dudes were, they, um, they were, they were excited to say the least. And they were, uh, it looked like they've been having a good time too since the end of the game until we got there because it's probably like three and a half hours since then. So um, that that was that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty good. Chuck White had a good uh, second half. Ryan Bernie made a couple shots at the end. Dave Barrett, both Lafayette guys, made a couple shots in the second half there. And so um, you know, it's funny what you remember. You know, somebody else might have had twenty points and I don't remember them, but that's you know, it's been a while. But that, that was that was that. And so they've they've obviously, you know, since I've coached, there's been there's change. You know, they've had four coaches. And anytime you have change, there's an adjustment. So um, they've had three adjustments while I haven't had an adjustment. And I, I think that I don't think I know that helps me. It helps us, helps me. It just does. You know, you you those changes, there's adjustments to those. And they're going through one right now and now. Arch has done a good job and, and they would have went to the tournament this year. And um, now it's, you know, year four and five, you know, and then now they're going to, you know, you, you want to have it at that point, um, you know, to take off because you want the consistency. You know, I hope he's there for 20 years because that's what's best for, you know, a school and that's what's best for, you know, a program is to have that consistency um, through the years. You know, the previous coach, you know, two out of the last four years he was there, they won the Big Ten. Right. <laughs> it's like, it is what it is. Like, you know, you explain that, but now they have to transition again and now they've, they've got it into a pretty good spot, you know, and now they can take off. And I thought the the young kid from Indianapolis, Trace Jackson Davis made a smart decision and stayed because I think he's an NBA player, but you know, could, would he go into the NBA right now and play and get in games and play for somebody who's good? No, he wouldn't. But will he do that someday? Yes. Yes, he will. He's a good player, but he made a good decision to come back. And that if the guys will just keep growing into playing into the NBA, not going into the draft, not getting excited about, you know, being a part of a team and, you know, going back and forth in the G League, um, you know, working towards playing in the NBA, getting into a rotation and staying in the NBA. Like the, I, those messages need to get out to those, those young kids. And that's something, you know, our guys have had to go through, you know, our, some of our guys in the NBA have had to go through. And those are, those are, that's tough, man. So one thing, there's a lot of changes going on in high school and college. And there's going to be more changes. There's going to be a lot of changes. You know, a lot of it, you know, is the pandemic. A lot of it's just, you know, the evolution of the name image likeness. Um, we've talked a lot about the transfer and the one-time transfer and the fifth year transfer and all these things. There's a lot of changes, a lot of differences. But the one thing that's not going to change is how good you have to be to play in the NBA. To play in the NBA, not get on a team, you know, not be a part of a roster, to be in that eight to nine man rotation on a consistent team, and especially an eight to nine man rotation on a playoff team, a good team. And so that's a lot of what guys need to keep that focus, especially somebody as talented as Trace Jackson Davis, because he's got such a bright future. And if you get a good start to your future and you get drafted really high, and that's what, you know, they invest in you, 
you know, now you've got a better chance. Now you've got a better chance to be successful. doesn't mean it can't happen the other way. Uh, because there's other factors when you get a little bit older, how they kind of look at you a little bit differently. There are other factors, and I understand those. But, you know, I just want each one of those guys, especially people from Purdue or people coming out of the Big Ten, I want to see them make it. You know, I, you know people think that's crazy. But I, I want to see them make it. You know, whether you're Denzel Valentine or Trey Burke or Evan Turner, like, I root for them. I don't root for them while they're at college. You know, when they leave, like, I root for them. Like, I want to see them do well. Luca Garza. You know, whenever he goes pro, like, you know, I want, I, I want him to come back. I want him to come back to Iowa and help them go to a Final Four and win a Big Ten championship. Their coach is a friend of mine. Like, people look at me when I say those things like, you're crazy. Like, no, I'm not. Like, why can't you want other people to do well? Now, when we play Iowa, I want to win. Like, you know, why can't you root for other people? Like, I don't, I don't get that. Like, I – so, but I want him to have a great professional career. I want Luca to have a great career. And, 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 and so, like, those things that – you know, the kind of get out there about our whole process. Like we had 42 guys last year, put their name in the draft that, that are underclassmen that didn't get drafted. Think about that. Where do they go? Like, you know, we're going to a handful of them, five or 10 of them, you know, they're going to find their way probably, you know, as free agents and get going or whatever. But these guys are putting their name in their draft and they're going early and they don't have a degree, but yet, the NBA doesn't look at them as a top 60 player coming in. And people got to understand, like, those 60 people aren't going into the NBA. Right as you start to get into the 40s and to the 50s, like, a lot of those picks, you know, the, the, those guys are in, are in tough positions and they're not getting guarantees all the time and they're not getting it. And even if you're getting a guarantee, it's a year or two years and it's, you know, it's not as much money as you would think. And, and so, like, we're, we're trying to get career. You know, we're trying to get on those lines. So... I know sometimes I can get into the other room sometimes with my answers, but and go certain directions, but like just trying to help, you know, with, with the different uh, roles that I have in the NABC and the NCAA and at Purdue and the big 10, just trying to help things get set up and, and guys to get the right advice so they can all have the success that they want, but also be realistic with it. Right. And then, Coach, we have one last thing for you. It's what we like to call the 60-second speed round. We have 10 questions, and then you just have a minute to answer as many as you can get through. Does yeah. that sound good? <laughs> we'll see. All right. <laughs> minute starts now. Uh, what's the best college arena to play in? Mackey Arena. All right. Huh. Favorite current NBA player? Um, the, all the guys from Purdue. All right. Favorite all-time NBA player? Julius Irving. Uh, favorite NBA team growing up? It was uh, the Sixers because of Julius Irving. Um, what's the best pizza in West Lafayette? Oh, it's going to have to be a tie because uh, I'm friends with both of them. But Arnie's <laughs> and Bruno's are both really good pizza. Uh, who's your favorite song artist? Zach Brown. Run favorite TV and- show? We got tie. Um, the Wire. It's probably my favorite TV show. Uh, what's your favorite vacation spot? Uh, don't really have one. We've been to a lot of different places. Some favorite team one. other than Purdue? In college? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't really have one. I, I root for like you know Creighton because one of my assistants is there. That was here. One of my other assistants, guy that I played with, Conzo Martins at Missouri. I root for them. So anybody that I like played college basketball with or I've worked with. I root for Kansas State because of Bruce Weber and Chris Lowry and Brad Corn was just there and he just left and got the job at SEMO. So I'll root for them. Southern Illinois and Eastern Illinois, I worked there. Uh, Barton College, Washington Jefferson. So I always root for the places that where I know somebody or um, so, yeah. Right. All right. That's it. Coach, thank you, you so much for lending us some of your time to talk to you. It was just incredible to hear from you, and just thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for listening. If you have made it this far, remember to follow us on Twitter at STSquared2, and you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. I am Andrew Willett with Jonah Freeman, and today the head coach of Purdue men's basketball, Matt Painter. Thank you for listening. That's ST squared.